Hey guys, before we get started, you know what it is. Follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at LaunchpadPod and our website, launchpadpod.com. Thanks to everybody who listened to our Red Romina episode. Let me give you a little uh, overview of how that went. Two podcasters ask woman about her tweet. <laughs> that was super fun. Hope you guys enjoyed our boring movie conversation. I had a great time with it. You had fun with it, Matt? Yeah, it was well. It wasn't a boring movie conversation. It was boring synopses of movies. So it was me, you, and <laughs> the woman who first made that meme, kind of come up with some some terribly boring, I think, pretty funny movie synopses. And we tried to help her out with some that she she couldn't crack. We did some on the fly. We went on some very awesome tangents. I got to say, like, not only was she fun to do that with. But when either she or we would start meandering away from what we were talking about, it was still like a really fun, a fun trip. I would have her back on in a second, right? Absolutely. That was, uh, it was a really good time. Romina, thank you so much for being on the show. I got to give some shout outs. The top cities the past couple of weeks, LaSalle, Canada. Woo. I love it when we go international. Yeah. Los well, Angeles. I mean, kind of international. Oh, well, you know, still North America. <laughs> I mean, it's a different nation. Hey. Hey, I still give them credit for listening. They have good taste. I got to give them that. Los Angeles, thanks. Appreciate it. Hometown, holding it down. And uh, Troy, which I'm not 100% sure. Like, this isn't like Troy in like Greek mythology. I think it's Troy, Michigan. See, what happened, what happened was someone made a statue of a different podcast, but they put our podcast inside, and then they <laughs> rolled that podcast in. <laughs> <laughs> That's hysterical. And big shout outs to some countries, Ireland, United Kingdom, the Netherlands, Japan, and Australia. You guys are holding it down for the Launchpad podcast. We really appreciate it. Now, guys, let's get on with the show. Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. All right, welcome to Launchpad Podcast. I'm Aaron. I'm Matt. Matt, today we are doing a little, you know, what have you been watching style, talking about some movies we've seen, some stuff we've been watching, some stuff we've been checking out. These are always fun for me because like we started these as like quick, easier episodes that from a production standpoint were easy for us to do. We don't have to like, yep. do a ton of research. We don't have to track down guests and we can just talk about nerd about movies, which is like essentially like fucking how you and I kind of became friends, right? Exactly. But this has become like almost like a, a breath of, of fresh air or like a drink of cool water once in a while. Just be like, dude, time out from all the other stuff we're doing. What have you, like Rumi, what have you been watching? Because usually when you, when you go bonkers for something, it puts it on my radar. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, there's definitely shit that happens that I see or watch and I want to let you know that you're going to be on board for it. You know? Well. Here's something that you put on my radar and you kept begging me to watch this. You kept texting me. You kept Ooh. telling me. I finally watched Primal. The cartoon. Yeah. Yeah. It was almost like you were resistant to it. I was like, dude, you don't understand. You're going to love this. I couldn't, I couldn't find it. It was amazing. It was amazing. It, it's finally on HBO Max and I'm getting like a month of HBO Max and it was on there and I was like, check it out. And dude, the first episode... You got a T-Rex killing kids, dude. Chomping yeah. them up. Nom, cool, nom, right? nom. Yeah. And it's done very stylized, but you're still like, damn, he just ate a little kid. And you saw like, a, it was like a silhouette of a kid, but you saw the kid's eyes like, oh no, as he got right. chomped. And this like Neanderthal, he's like, he, he sees his wife and two children get killed by this T-Rex. And he's like, God damn, I'm going to kill that T-Rex. And he's, he goes on the warpath and he thinks he finds it, but it's a blue T-Rex instead of a red T-Rex that killed his family. And this blue T-Rex has little babies. And he's like, oh, no. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's the same thing. He sees the parallels. And then the red T-Rexes show up and eat the little babies. And he's like, no. T-Rex babies. Yeah. yeah it's the T-Rex. So then he and the blue T-Rex start fucking up these red T-Rexes. And they, it's just so bloody and so violent and ripping off their faces and cutting off their legs and stuff. And then at the by the end of the first episode, the blue T-Rex is following him along the shoreline and they kind of become friends and he he like is like, Can I can I hop on your back? Is it cool if I ride you, bro? And that yeah. T-Rex is like, Yeah, I guess it'd be pretty dope. And he hops on and they both roar 
and it like freeze frames on them looking badass as hell. And you're like, yeah, that is pretty dope. It's so good. And then the, like, I, I, well, we're going to tell the overview, but like the second episode, they're not just best friends. They're having trouble figuring out like the vision of hunting and eating because the T-Rex just keeps eating all of their kills. And the, yeah. the caveman is like, bro, um, I think they call him Fang and Spear because there's no dialogue in this. There's very little zero dialogue. Actual, it's like, incredible. Sound, sound. It's just all like source sound. So it's the dinosaur. It's him grunting. It's whatever they're coming up against. And if you guys have, if you guys know reference frame of reference, what we're talking about, it was on Adult Swim. I, I'm going to butcher the name, but it's I think Gendy Tartakovsky's. Bless Gendy you. Tartak- yeah, it is the same person and team that were responsible for a lot of Samurai Jack as yeah. well as the original Star Wars Clone Wars cartoon that was on before Episode 3 came out. So it's that kind of style. And if you guys watch those, Samurai Jack, I'm lukewarm on. Some episodes were baller. Some episodes I thought were just flat out boring. But the Clone Wars cartoon, I really liked. I thought at least stylistically it was awesome. I'm not going to get into the content on how it fleshed out some of the bullshit in the movies. But if you just watch it based on individual action episodes, they're fucking fun. Did you watch those cartoons, the Star Wars Clone Wars ones? You made me watch a bunch of them. You, we watched one where Mace Windu, they're like, okay, okay, guys. That's the best one. I, I know we killed him immediately and made him look like a total loser, <laughs> but here he's totally cool, you guys. And he like goes on this battlefield and just like, he crushes all these droids with his fist. He's like, whoosh, and they just smash and they collapse. And doesn't he kill, um, who's that wheezy droid with the forearms? Um, yeah, he's, he, he's Squee, uh, uh, General Grievous. Yeah. He force crunches his chest, which is why he's wheezing in the movies. Which is stupid. And, you know, you watch <laughs> it as a cartoon and as an isolated thing, you're like, badass. But then you're like, then why did you die so easily to the emperor? In the- Because the movies are stupid. But yeah. this is like, and this is why I'm pushing you and I hope one day you finally watch. Well, because I won't cartoon. care. I don't care. Watching it will just be like, like, you could show me cool episodes and those episodes will be cool. But. Yeah, that's 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 all though. That's all you need. That's like that's all. But you don't. That's have the same to thing as me sitting you down, prying your eyes open, Clockwork Orange style, putting the little drops in, and making you watch like the best episode of Game of Thrones. Like you just don't care. I knew you were going to say that, but I guess if you showed me a good episode of Game of Thrones that you knew that I would think was cool, I would probably think it was cool. Like if you felt like you know me pretty well, I think you above literally anyone else in my life know my media likes and dislikes and my tastes more than anybody else. I think if you were like, this is a Game of Thrones episode that Matt's not going to care about, but he's going to love that there's, I don't know, dragons chomping on people. But or the, here's the thing. Like, I won't even show you a whole episode. I'll show you like 20 minutes of one that you'll be like, fuck. That's because Game of Thrones takes forever. Clone Wars is quick. Chomp, chomp, chomp. Yeah, but it's still fucking stu- if it has a if it has a battle droid in it, it's fucking dumb. And I am playing I am playing Battlefront 2 right now, the PS4 game that they gave away for free, and I do have to play a battle droid and every time I hate it. Well, that's fair though. Back to what you were saying though for Primal. It is cool. They come up with some good some good little mini episodes, not mini episodes, but like self-contained episodes. They're they're doing a, a thing overall. It's really cool. There's and it's only like, it's like, like six episodes, episodes, though. Yeah, it's not very long. Yeah. it's And it's fun as hell. Yeah. And it's one of those, like, I watched it in the course of a week and was like, I have to go back and rewatch this because it's, it's super so violent, too, which is pretty crazy to see in a cartoon. Which you love, before. right? You love that. And that, yeah. that who wants to watch a, a cartoon about a super buff Neanderthal riding a T-Rex where there's not, like, spears going through people's faces and shit? Yeah. It's it's so well done. It's really really is beautiful for and you know, I know we're saying how violent it is, but it is beautiful the way it's done. Its style is incredible and it's just man, I, I highly recommend it. If you got HBO Max, it's on there. Yeah. I'm on I, I agree. I'm on board. I love that a lot. So here's <laughs> another one I wanted to bring up. A trailer just dropped. Mm. I wanted to talk about this. So this trailer just dropped and it is a prequel to one of your and my favorite animated Batman movie. Ooh. Can you guess the movie I'm thinking of right now? The one that you and I both really, really like. It's a Batman animated movie, and you made me watch it, and it was awesome. I'm going to say the Batman Beyond uh, Return of the Joker. No. Sorry. Hmm. Oh, Red Hood? Yes. The Red Hood. Two guesses. I'll, I'll take that. They're doing a prequel to Red Hood called Batman Death in the Family. Yes. And they 
are doing it as a prequel, but there's a twist. I was super excited and and now I'm like on the fence and part of me is super excited and part of me is like, I don't know, but it is a basically an interactive choice driven movie like Bandersnatch, like they did for fucking, uh, right, for, right. like they did for Netflix, where you get to choose whether Robin lives or dies. Because if you remember in the comic books, it was a, a reader vote that got Robin to either live or die and, and they got him killed. So this movie is kind of playing off of that. You know, that vote was actually super close, right? I, I, I did not the, know I that. I forget the numbers, but it was very close. Like, out of thousands and thousands, if not hundreds and thousands of votes, it was very close. I forget the numbers. I should look the numbers up. But like, if you look the numbers up, ridiculously close. Damn. So they're making it like a choose-your-own-adventure style Robin. And it's interesting because it goes past it. And actually, you can see him either become Hush or see what happens if he lived and became Red Robin, which I think is pretty interesting to play with. I don't know if you're going to pull it off in a great way. I love the con- the idea at a concept level, conceptually, I love the idea, but those things could get kind of stilted, especially if I'm trying, like, one of the things they have to be aware of is the replayability, because I want to go back and figure out, you know, the branches, and if I have to, like, do stupid things over and over again just to try something different out, that will get annoying. But do you know if it's Bandersnatch-esque where there's a lot of choices or just the choice at the end? There's a lot of choices. Is there really? According to the, the to what you've read, the to what I've read in the trailer I saw, it was like every choice you make has consequences. Every choice you make will change the outcome of the movie, and like, and you see things past the death or not death mm. of Robin. They show moments of him like putting on the hush uh, wrappings, and okay. they show him putting on the red hood, and they show him being Robin and putting on the red Robin costume. That's like the cowl with like the, it has like a Robin cowl that goes over Mm -hmm. his head. So I think it's going to be pretty involved and fairly interactive, which could be interesting. I love that original story. I got that. That was one of the few like comics and graphic novels that I had as a kid before I really cared or got into it. And it was, I remember the gravity of that hitting me where like, holy shit, they killed him. And it wasn't like he fell off a, waterfall or you know disappeared into something something there's that 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 sequence of panels of the joker bringing the crowbar down 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 yeah joker beats him to death with a crowbar well they beats him almost to death right and then blows him and his mother up which is like fucking it's hardcore and if you guys haven't read that book death in the family it's definitely well worth the read and if you haven't seen the movie under the red hood the dc animated movie do you know what the the other cool thing that is is related to at least me, but us on a personal level about that movie. What about it? Our friend Barry, his girlfriend, who's also my friend, Zara Faisal, she is a uh, voice actress and she's been doing a ton of stuff, a lot of DC stuff. She was like a lot of Netflix stuff. She was the voice, I think, of the spaceship or something on Lost in Space, but she keeps getting bigger and juicier roles. She just announced this week, she is Talia Al Ghul's voice in that movie. How fucking cool is that? In Death in the Family? Yes. How cool is that? What? Oh, Ridiculous, okay. right? So we got to have her on and we got to watch, after this movie comes out, we got to watch it and go through it. Remember when we did a Bandersnatch episode where you- I was just going to say we could do a Bandersnatch uh, episode where we have hard do choices. <laughs> that would be funny. If these two podcasters <laughs> tell some dick jokes, press one. <laughs> if you guys don't know what Bandersnatch is, there's a Black Mirror series on Netflix, which is really cool. It's kind of like a, an updated Twilight Zone using technology. If you haven't seen any of the Black Mirror, you should check it out. Black Mirror, a couple of years ago, two years or so, maybe a year and a half, made a movie called Bandersnatch, and it was a choose-your-own-adventure movie on Netflix. So while you're watching, they'll come a choice, and you have to choose whether a character goes left or right, or whether they listen to this music or that music, or whether they go to sleep or wake up. And as you choose, it changes the rest of the movie. So like Aaron and I had completely different experiences the first time we watched it. Then you can go back and kind of redo some of your choices later. If you, ha- if you haven't seen that stuff, you should see it. If it's you've bonkers. seen it and haven't listened to our episode, Erin and I did a podcast, Choose Your Own Adventure, where you could choose different <laughs> avenues of our podcast. <laughs> it's worth checking out the Bear to Snatch episode. We think we're pretty clever, right? 
If you want these two idiot podcasters to start making out, <laughs> press two. Everyone's like two, 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 two. If for no other reason, just so that we stop talking. <laughs> but yeah, I'm actually really excited for that because that's a really fun story. It's one of those stories that fun. At least, at least the comic. Well, because the comic does. You know what? I guess yeah. Fun, not fun. Interesting. The yeah. comic doesn't pull a lot of punches. A lot of times when there's a death up story, it's not quite. Even when it happens, it's not quite a death of. Yeah. You know, and clearly this isn't because he comes back to a certain extent multiple times, but it's still fucking great. Here's an unpot. Well, maybe it is. I don't know, because I, I guess when I read stuff, I don't I'm not aware of what people think about it. I fucking mm. like maximum clonage. So what do I know? <laughs> so did people like Hush? Because I do not like Hush. I think Hush. The character re- or the book? The, the, the whole arc of Hush, which basically t- reveals that it's Robin and he's not, you know, he's not dead, but maybe it's not Robin. I hate that shit. I was really pissed that they did it. And to me, the Red Hood justified doing it. They're like, well, if he's back, let's at least tell a good story with Robin still being alive. But I hate that they retconned it. Hush wasn't Robin. Hush had a, if I remember correctly, there's a battle. Hush was Clayface at one point. It was Clayface pretending to be Robin at one point. Right. But it wasn't actually Robin. Hush but then they actually out. brought Robin back. He didn't die. He's Red Hood. Yeah, but I thought he was already back before that. That, yeah, was, but, that was when he brought him back? Well, I, I guess it could be what order I read the comics in. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Red Hood is when he got brought back. But either way, either way, he gets brought back for sure. Yeah, which I hated. Yeah, it's like the Gwen Stacy thing. Like, you know, you can get a lot of story out of it. You can, you can, you know, it's almost like, almost like you, you, you throw your quarter in after the you know your your arcade game expires you throw your quarter in and get an extra life which you know happens in comics a lot but there's a couple things that i think enhances the main character like batman losing robin is crucial i think it's almost yes. if not more important than the death of his parents gwen yes. stacy dying for spider-man it's the most important death that's happened to him the parents dying is the most quintessential moment for Bruce Wayne to become Batman. The death of Robin is the most quintessential moment for Batman to inform his going forward in that career. Damn, that's a really cool way to... I could do a whole episode just on that. That's a great way to frame it, Room. Thanks, man. I mean, you look at these two things and without them, like if Robin never dies, Batman is still in the Biff Bop Pow era where he's like, I'm a superhero. There's no consequences for being this badass. And he can just save the day anytime he wants. The death of Robin really solidified that there were consequences to his actions as Batman. And retconning that, and I, I know comic books are just soap operas for nerds. And soap operas never kill anybody off. They always find a way to bring it back. But it was just so annoying because it just that just causes so many issues that weren't necessary. And it also just doesn't make anything permanent. And when you have the balls to do something permanently, I think you should stick to it. Yeah, well, I mean, I could, I guess it's like, you know, there's, I could probably, if I, I'd have to think about it for a second, but if I thought about it, I probably could think of an alternate example where I would have said leave that person dead, but the way they brought that person back made a lot of sense. But I think that's probably the exception. And I right. think it's, it's more, when it doesn't have to be everybody, but when it's someone that is like the crux of a character, like I think Robin dying for Batman is the it, it's a crux. That's such an important moment. Yeah. Gwen Stacy, she was gone for so long, but she eventually came back. It's a it's I don't think it's a cop out per se, but it's like it's more important to that character's arc. It doesn't necessarily fuck anything up, but it makes it less special and less incredible when you bring them back. And I think definitely uh Jason Todd Robin is a good, exa- a great example of that. Yeah, I think Batman is a better character, maybe even a stronger character, at least for me to read. That with him gone, to the credit of the writers, I don't know who wrote the whole Red Hood arc. They did a phenomenal job, and actually reading, and I'm like, okay, this is pretty cool. Watching the movie, you're like, okay, if you're gonna bring him back, this is really cool. Yeah, it that and it, it's that is one of those ones that makes sense when you like. I read it, you're like, okay. I believe it was a Lazarus pit, right? You're like, all right, that makes sense. And I can understand why that would happen. And it, the Lazarus pit is something that's already been in Batman mythos for a long time. So it's not like you just came up with some bullshit. You know what I mean? 
It's yeah. already there, so it makes sense. So you're like, okay, I, I get it. But on top of that, you will always run into the hardest part of like the loose end of it. And the whole thing about the Red Hood is like, you are such a weak hero for never killing Joker. And, and, and you're so stuck on your morals. And he was so right, but he should have just killed Joker. He should have just killed Batman. He should have just done it. But he... But like they they have this loose end where they can't they can't actually do the thing he stands for because they don't have the balls to do it because there's been so much time invested into you can't kill Joker oh my god even though Joker's been killed a hundred times in comic books they never they they couldn't pull off what the character of the Red Hood stood for the weight of him coming back didn't justify bringing him back and even though it was done sure. really well they didn't follow through with it because they couldn't he basically painted himself into a corner. And is like, well, now you have to kill Batman or shoot Joker, and and he couldn't do that either. See, I I forget how that scene plays out exactly, but I would have played up the fact that Robin and Jason Todd, underneath all the madness, even the Lazarus Pit madness, even the revenge, he's still Jason Todd. He's still a man who is trained by Batman, and he can't make that final thing because he knows it's wrong. I think that's right or wrong. That's at least an interesting, uh, an interesting aspect to explore. For sure. I'm excited to see what they do with the movie. We'll have to we'll have to definitely watch yeah, it. Yeah, that's do it. and I've been out of those DC animated for a long time. I don't remember the last one I watched, but there's it was at least like boatload five of them, or six dude. ago. And there's been a bunch of Batman ones, and Batman was the ones that I would check out regardless. But yeah, it has been so they have been so lackluster lately. The ones that I've seen, and then the ones that I've skipped, I've either heard nothing about or worse, heard bad shit about. So I just was like, all right, I don't I don't need to check that out. <laughs> Or you've heard that Constantine King Shark got it on? I missed that one. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. I'll check that out, though, because that's kind of a fetish for me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. After Shark Month, uh, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, right now. I got it on the brain for sure. Getting pretty (laughs) sexy. Well, do you have a movie you've been watching, Rumi? Yeah, dude. I actually have one that I watched late, late last night. and. It was one of those that, uh, remember we did our episode where we went into our virtual video store and we, we remembered all the covers of horror movies and shit that we'd seen growing up? Yeah, 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 yeah. This is a cover. I'll describe it to you. We may have talked about it on that actual episode or not, but when I start telling you, you're going to know it right away. The cover is a old-fashioned school classroom. There's a, a green chalkboard behind the character who is a skeleton in a graduation cap. With yep. sunglasses on and a mm-hmm. sweater over his shoulder. I know the cover. Yep. Yep. And he's holding a giant apple that I didn't re or looks like a giant cherry. I didn't realize as a kid, it's actually like one of those old timey like Bugs Bunny bombs. So it's like yeah, it has a fuse, fuse coming out of it. Yeah. I didn't realize it was a fuse till like I was a grown up. But the movie is called Slaughter High. Yep. And the 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 big tagline on the on the cover is Marty majored in cutting classmates. <laughs> as a kid. That cover terrified me. Hmm. The movie is. <laughs> it has some good kills. Have you you've seen it? You've seen it. Is this the one where they it, they they start off by like giving this nerd guy a joint and it explodes in his face and then acid pours well, on him? Kind of. This is 1986. It starts okay. with a the hottest girl in the movie flirting in the hallway of a school with the prototypical nerd. And yeah. prototypical is what they should have called this movie because it's like they cast these human-looking aliens who have never seen people talk to people before. And everyone in the, in the movie essentially is a bully except for this one nerd. And yeah. they are like, like horrible bullies. cartoon-level bullies. Like, like they're cartoon so villain-level. Yeah. Yeah, because like it's not just bullying him. It's, it gets to a certain point where they're like, oh, we got to kill this fucker. Well, like, and, but they think it's funny. So, like, yeah. you know, it's setting it up, and really quickly, we as the audience are let in on the joke that there's more to it than this. This hot girl brings this guy into the girl's locker room, into the shower room, and she's clearly promising him some sex, and he's being a nerd about it. And yep. all of her friends outside are sneaking up with video cameras and lights and shit. So mm-hmm. he goes into a shower stall, and she's talking to him from the next stall. He thinks he's about to get it on. Everybody sets it up. They open up the shower curtain. And he's standing there with his dick out, which we get to see a lot of. So that's how it actually starts. Flopping peen. There's a lot of flopping peen all over the place. He tries to get away, and they're videotaping him. 
and they're la- or I guess videotaping, they're laughing at him. He tries to grab his clothes and towel off a metal rack, but these bad bully kids have like electrified it. So it zaps him and he falls to the floor. They then pick up this naked actor and pull him by his legs into a, a toilet stall and then give him an upside down swirly. And I watched this. Two male actors had to pick up this butt naked other actor. And like two men are bouncing this naked dude up and down into a toilet. And they're, they're videotaping all of it, right? Then the coach comes in and is like, hey, what are you guys doing? You're all in lifelong detention. Go change and I'm going to make you do push-ups. And Marty, you get out of here. That's the nerd. So but Marty he's also the- like, he's like pathetic. Like he treats Marty oh, yeah. like it's like he's pathetic for letting yeah, it happen. Like, yeah, yeah it feels terrible for him. He's like, get out of here. You're terrible. Yeah. And Marty's on his way to the science lab. All the bullies and jocks have to do all these cartoony punishments from the cartoony coach. Yeah. And they're acting so like smarmy and funny and silly about it. Two of them sneak away to give Marty a joint. As like a faux peace offering. And it blows up on him. No, because they while... packed it with explosives. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. They, it blows up on him. He suddenly has to take a shit and runs out. Another bully from the same group sneaks out of the punishment again. And he does something with Marty's science experiment so that when he goes back into it, it explodes, sets the science lab on fire. And as that's happening, a shelf falls over filled with nitric acid and it burns half of his face off. Yeah. It's like that's the beginning of the movie. And I'm telling you guys, I'm making it sound way more interesting than it actually is. It's unbelievable. And it's like. There's a couple movies where the the prank is so fucked up. Like in Terror Train, they get this guy to like fondle a dead corpse naked. Like they, <laughs> he think he thinks he's about to get it on, then they turn on the lights and he's about to have sex with a dead corpse. You're like, what the fuck, bullies? What is going on here? You guys are it's, psychopaths. Yeah, and, it's, and they're so like they're deliciously excited about this. Like they're oh, so sadistic. Oh, Marty. Oh, one of them is wearing a jester's mask with a jester's hat. Yeah. And cut to, and this is the best part, is in this beginning part, they're high schoolers. None of them look like high schoolers. They're no, too they old. all look like they're in the 40s already. Then it cuts to like grown up life and they're supposed to have jobs and they go to this class reunion, but they're too young looking to pass as grown ups. Yeah. So it's weird because you don't believe their physical age and looks the entire movie. But then they, you know, the movie we've seen before a thousand times, they go to, you know, their class reunion. And the class reunion is sabotaged. The thing that I don't quite understand is we know it's Marty the whole time. Yeah. And it turns out to be Marty. So there's no like scream element where you're like, who's doing this? Could it be this person? Could it be this person? Some drugs. There's a little bit of nudity. There's a couple good kills, but it really makes you wait for the good kills. And it's not, the kills are certainly not. But I mean, there's, there's like an the acid movie. in the bathtub kill that's pretty good. Yeah, because her boobs are out. But yeah, there's yeah, and then <laughs> some heads getting stuck with stuff, some impalements, um, yeah. some electricity. Did you ha, did you notice how weird the accents are in that movie? Yes, there's one actress who I want to say was in Black Christmas. I could look that up right now, but sh- it's random. And oh, yeah, well, because it's a, it's is, a British movie made to be American. Oh, I believe that. Here is yeah. my my takeaway from this. One of the main bullies, his name is Skip. Now, yeah. I don't know why Skip was, at least according to movies, Skip seems to be one of the big names of 80s cool guys. Like, it wasn't a party until Skip came. And I'm like, <laughs> who is fucking naming Skips? <laughs> People who think they're fucking American dynasty, like they're going to get their kid to be president or some shit. Well, the weird actress chick's name is Kelly Baker. She's actually really cute, but she talks weird. She was in Don't Open Till Christmas. I knew it was a Christmas movie. <laughs> don't, open till, don't Open Till Christmas is the reverse Christmas movie, horror movie where the guy is killing all the Santas. Remember that? He's not a Santa. He sees his mom porking Santa, and that sets him off to kill Santas, which I think is more logical than actually becoming a Santa. Yeah, right? yeah. It doesn't make sense when they become Santas, but I mean, I like Killer Santa better than anything else. I didn't mind that movie. I kind of liked it, but yeah, it, it is slow. I mean, it was fine. I guess I just wanted, like, when you watch a movie like that, like, you know how many school killer movies I've seen? Like, yeah. A dozen? Sure. What is, you, what is different about yours? Even if it fails, you got to try to make me remember it. Like, 
I have that. I have cutting class. I have the final. I have horror final high. exam. Horror, yeah. yeah, return to horror high. It's like you have all of those. What is it? You know, and you got to know that there's, especially fucking in the eighties, you got to know that there's that many of those. What what makes me remember yours more yep. than the next guy? And this movie, I don't know that they attempted anything. Their cartoon bullies were the most dickish. <laughs> I obviously remembered it. Weird accents. They were Weird like, accents, have, yeah. Have a Exploding accents. joints and acid bath and a pitchfork kill that was decent. Well, it's just funny that it was three three pranks at the beginning. Like, they prank them, prank them, prank them all in the same night. Yeah. And it gets increasingly mean and hurtful, like, physically hurtful. Like, <laughs> until, to hurt him. Yeah, until he's on fire with acid on his face. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good, though. I wish I'd thought of that in high school. Yeah. <laughs> the coach is like, wow, this escalated quickly. And they're like, Perfect. Went exactly yeah. to plan. High five. We're going to be rich and famous someday. Yeah. It's definitely, it, you know what it is? This is one of those movies that like, it wasn't boring for me, but it wasn't memorable. I bet you as a yeah. shitty movie Sunday, this would be more fun. Like you, watching it with you, watching it with someone that, you know, loves this stuff like I do that we could make fun of would be a better time. Oh, it's, it's good for making fun of. So the other night we we're trying to pick a movie because like every night i feel like it's you remember pinky in the brain my wife's like what do you want to do tonight what do you want to do tonight and i'm like same thing we do every night sit on the couch and watch a movie <laughs> and um i let her pick and she picked a, a surprise pick she picked jackie chan's police story Have you ever seen this one i have not no i love jackie chan man i will watch anything that jackie chan's in and I, there's a lot i haven't seen some of it's hard to find i'm really trying to track down uh, armor of armor of the gods that was recommended to us by Leval Dead, and I really want to watch it. But this is a police story. And uh, the boring tagline for this would be, uh, cop is bad at his job. Um, <laughs> did you ever see Bad Boys 2? Oh, yeah. You know the scene where they're in Cuba and they just drive through an entire drive town? Through houses. Yeah, yeah, so then I know the Jackie Chan movie you're talking about. This from is the clips. beginning. I've never seen it. Yeah, the beginning of this movie, they're like doing this sting on this drug dealer, and... They try to get away and they drive through this entire shanty town, just destroying it, driving it through with cars. And there's a lot of great action scenes and stuff. A lot of, you know, hilarious Jackie Chan things. This is meant to be a comedy. And there's a lot of moments that are like, wah, 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 like goofy things happening. That's pretty cringy when you look at it nowadays. Like, mm -hmm. you know, his girlfriend thinks he's cheating on her with the woman he's he's the bodyguard for. Basically, he tr he arrests this drug dealer, this big drug kingpin, and his secretary, they're going to use her as a witness, and he is charged to be her bodyguard, and a lot of wacky stuff ensues. Of course, the kingpin's trying to have the secretary killed, and, you know, Jackie Chan is, just keeps screwing things up, and the end, the final fight is incredible. They're in a mall, and so much glass is getting broken. Guys on motorcycles being thrown through glass windows and display cases. Jackie Chan slides down this pole through a bunch of electric lights, like getting electrocuted and shocked. It's it's a really great stunt. Jackie Chan directed this movie, which is kind of cool. There's one scene where he's he gets demoted because he keeps messing up and he's in a police station and the phones keep ringing all over the place. And he keeps going on this roller chair and picking up phones and answering them. And it's kind of funny, but the stuff that people are reporting, he's like, hello, police station. They're like, ah. Help me, uh, my, my dog got out. He's like, oh, hold on. And he slides over to the next phone. And he picks that up. He's getting tangled up in the cords. But some of the stuff's like, help, my husband's beating me. Helped, I was raped. And you're like, this isn't funny, but it's played for laughs. And he like then starts and he answering. Puts them on hold? <laughs> yeah. Well, he just keeps holding the phone. So he's all tangled up in phones. And then he starts answering the wrong thing. He's like, to the woman who's being beaten, he's like, take the morning after pill. And you're like, that was your answer to the woman who's been like, this is. It was a simpler time. <laughs> did not yeah was not not did not age well and look i know that like my legal expertise my legal credentials are mm. not recognized in any of the 50 <laughs> states and especially not recognized in japan but i'm pretty sure that there are so many things it's like that's not how policing works like you're not allowed to go to court be put on the stand as a witness and then be like, hey, I'm going to play this tape recording that I had in my pocket of a different witness giving their testimony and have right. that count. Like, that doesn't work. When you're on the stand, you're the one who has to talk. You can't be like, I tape recorded the witness who isn't here. 
I'm like, I don't think that flies. Also, if you're the arresting <laughs> officer of a drug kingpin, I think there's a huge conflict of interest if you're the bodyguard of the key witness in that case. You may have overthought this action movie. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. The, the action comedy. But the whole time I was like, that's not how. Like, then they finally catch the kingpin and like everybody in the mall is like, yeah, they got him. And Jackie Chan beats up the kingpin in police custody and the kingpin's lawyer. And I'm like, he beats up the lawyer too. Beats up the lawyer too. Yeah. Nice. It's it's a fun movie. Like that's the uh, sequel is, of that movie is just the 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 case that the lawyer brings against Jackie Chan for beating him. It's a, it's a courtroom drama. Well, there's three of them, so I'll have to find out what happens. He's convicted. <laughs> <laughs> the action stuff in it is amazing. Some of the jokes are pretty cringy, but is it like eighties? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Way okay. hard eighties. Yeah, I've seen clips and shit of it. The stunts are great. I mean, Jackie Chan's an incredible performer. He's usually worth watching, but he's another one of those things that like if you look through my movie repertoire and experience, I've not indulged as much as I should. You should, man. They're super fun. Yeah. I my favorite is Drunken Master and uh Legend of Drunken Master. The two Drunken Master movies are so good. Mm. Love those. Got another one, Rumi? Yeah, I do. Uh, yeah, I got another one. Did you see The Lighthouse 2019? Yeah. Robert Eggers directed it and wrote it uh, with, his, I guess, his brother, Max Eggers. I think it's his brother. It was like an Egger in an Egger suit. Can't make an omelet without breaking a few Eggers. <laughs> <laughs> Stars Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe. Did you see this? Yeah, I did. So this is a, a movie that I was really interested in getting into because it looks great. I've always liked Willem Dafoe. Yeah. Robert great. Pattinson has done a good job in everything I've ever seen except the Twilight movie. And I don't think that was his fault. I mean, they were like, you're supposed to be this like soulless heartthrob. Do it. And he was like, huh? yeah, just like act like an idiot. And don't, don't look like you look, look like you have emotions. I feel like the director was like, all right, just be soulless blank, just blank slate. And he was like, what? And they're like, perfect action. And he's like, huh? <laughs> Wait, what did you just say? You got that, then, right? You got that. <laughs> huh? <laughs> Yeah, he does. He's I've seen him in a bunch of other things and he, he's done a good job. And when they announced him as Batman, I was like, OK, let's let's see. Let's see. I, yeah. I'm 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 up for at least trying it, seeing what he's got. Yeah, so this movie, The Lighthouse, it's I knew it was made by the guy who made the Vich, which I love. And you were meh. Yeah. And I was I was cool on if anything it was I'll, t- I'll talk about it in general. But all I knew about Lighthouse was it was made by the same guy. It supposedly was really good performances, specifically by Robert Pattinson. Yep, and also that it was um that it was supposed to be creepy. I don't know that anyone flat out told me it was horror or told me that it was thriller, but I heard that it was like a it's supposed to be a scary type movie. Something yeah. was going to be scary, unsettling. And I, but I knew nothing more than that. I didn't know anything more than that, which is my favorite. I love to not know more than that going into a movie. Yeah. So I turned it on. Automatically, it's beautiful. It's black and white. The TV I was watching it on, and maybe you know what this is up. I didn't look it up. It had vertical black bars on the sides. Letterboxing. So uh, yeah. The opposite, right? So they call that pillar boxing. Oh, I it's see. a four by three movie. So it's it's in right. a large format. Yeah. So it's four by three, but 16 by nine is horizontal, and then the four by three is the vertical. So yeah, it was in a large format, like old school film. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty interesting. And. It would, it's shot in black and white, and it's beautiful. Yep. Immediately, the setting, I mean, it's essentially just two characters in one setting. Yep. The contrast looks gorgeous. The fact, like, the choice to make it black and white was a smart one. It's really, really striking. I'm already in on the tone and the atmosphere of the movie. But then it starts getting all Eggersy, and it's just, like, really surreal and esoteric. And then it starts to be like, is he dreaming? Is he crazy? Is the other guy crazy? Are you crazy? And it starts to be like, there's more questions than answers. What else do you want? It's super fun. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be honest, I wasn't really feeling great. I was watching it because I was in bed just trying to chill and like relax. And I just wanted to watch a movie and it was like, ah, but think about this. And I was like, I don't want to think about it's this. It's not a chill movie. It no, is it's not, not a chill movie. And I feel the same way. It, first of all, it was a period piece. And it definitely was like a more than just on the level film. And there's nothing wrong with that. The Witch was like that as well. And I got to say, I got to give someone like like 
Robert Eggers credit for taking horror to a next step where it can be appreciated and even respected. Because I don't think that happens. I think even when you look like, even when you look at like the horror greats with, or at least modern horror greats with the, the exception of Scream, you know, Texas Chainsaw, Friday the 13th, everybody knows those movies, even if they haven't seen them. They know them, but they don't necessarily, I think, respect them unless you, you know, do like us and you really like dig them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like my mom knows those movies. Critical acclaim. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's a good way to think of it, too, I guess. But like The Lighthouse was definitely critically acclaimed and which was when it came out as well. So I like that it's, you know, kind of shining that, like you said, the critically acclaimed light onto the horror genre. It's a um, lighthouse. Get it? <laughs> the other thing that this movie does that immediately gets me in the mood is the big noise that is it's throughout this movie it's in the netflix series dark all the time Rumi, if you could like sample that you know the noise i'm talking Whoa. about yeah Whoa. Whoa. and then like in this movie it happens so often in the beginning that i'm like is the lighthouse making that noise like is yes that source sound yes but normally it's just like a cue to the audience that what's happening has gravitas and is important. And it's, yeah. um, it's like, it's just an ominous tone. It kind of drove me nuts in this movie. I'll be honest. It, well, it did for sure. But it's a, dev- in this movie, it's a device. And it's, to drive I you nuts. Cause the character's right. being driven nuts. Yeah. Correct. And I think it, it, they want you to be noticing it. Have you watched Netflix's dark? Are you, uh, hold on before we get to Netflix's <laughs> dark, which I haven't well, just, seen. They use it all the time. And I but like, I are like you, are you, you still have not given me, are you meh? Are you a thumbs up? Did you like it? Are you were you just kind of lukewarm on it? What what's the overall what's the verdict? I would give it a somewhere in a B B range, B minus B or B plus, depending See, on what. I've um, noticed this about critically acclaimed horror films is like it's hard to get everybody on board. Hey, we sure. got critics critics to like a quote unquote horror movie. Horror fans are like, eh, a little not no not enough what we like, not enough mm-hmm. of the flavor that we want. Some people like, and obviously that's not across the board. I loved The Witch, yeah, and that was critically acclaimed. But I know a lot of people were like, "Oh, so pretentious." Same thing with The Lighthouse. I was, mm, I liked The Lighthouse. I liked it a lot. But to me, if I saw, if I went and saw a play called The Lighthouse, and that is what I saw on stage as those two performances, I'd been like, "Wow, that was creepy, and that was good. Wow, incredible. I'm really moved. It's it's really good performances." But overall, as a movie, I was kind of like. That's intense and a real like crazy like messing with your head type movie, but do I feel the need that I need to put that on every Halloween? Because damn, what a good horror movie! No, sure, I I can get that. I didn't see Midsummer, but I hear a lot of the same like Hereditary. That's my there's next a, one. Yeah, yeah. There's another one that people were like, "Ooh, what a cool horror movie!" And I loved Hereditary, but I understand that a lot of horror fans are just kind of like, "What's all this family drama?" There seems to be a weird like barrier of critically acclaimed and horror fans like it. And I, and I know that's a big generaliz- generalization and a lot of our horror fans are smart horror fans. We're like, I like the witch. I thought lighthouse was awesome. Midsummer's great, but tell me you have not seen reviews where horror fans are like, those suck. Oh, for sure. And I think you're right. And that, that brings up a good point, which is interesting. And I guess you could do this for, for any genre, but there's different audiences for the same movie, right? Or at least for the same genre. And if yeah. you're making a, a horror movie for horror people, it, it, it should hit these, you know, let's say it hit, should hit 10 of these 20 things. If you're trying to make a critically acclaimed movie, it's not necessarily, you can do it the same, but it's not ne- necessarily the same deal, you know? I like The Lighthouse, though. I, th- I think The Lighthouse I does I liked what it, it more than Witch. Did you, you liked Witch more than Lighthouse? Way more. I love Witch. I, lo- I, I think Witch is I one of the best horror films. I into it. I mean, may, that's one of those things that if you have that big of a boner for it, I'll have to go back and try it again. But I just, I couldn't, I think it was the dialogue and the, the old timiness of it. And it was like, ugh. Here's the difference. The witch was doing the same thing that the lighthouse did. But just when you're like, oh man, this was a really tense story and everybody just overreacted and there wasn't any, oh, the goat's talking. People start flying. What the fuck? And like, it was like, no, everything you thought was real was real and there is evil and it is here. And when that goat started talking, I couldn't like, I couldn't breathe. I was like out of it. It was, it blew my mind. The lighthouse <laughs> did that to it a moment when like that moment where there's these dream sequences where like he's Poseidon 
uh, where Willem Dafoe is Poseidon and Robert Pattinson's like getting choked out by him and like Robert Pattinson's fucking a mermaid and there's tentacles everywhere. And it's like, what the fuck is going on? Everybody's jerking off. And then at the end, it's like, oh, he just dies and, and sacrifices himself to the birds. That's pretty cool. But it ends on a very mundane note. And I liked how Witch ended on this crazy, like, and same thing with Hereditary ends on this crazy note where you're just like, I don't know what's what to think anymore. This is madness. And I feel like Lighthouse ended on kind of a bland note where it's like, yes, and the madness means nothing because the world is just keeps on turning and these guys will just wash away in the surf. Also, is like the way the movie ends and like I, I won't we, we spoil stuff sometimes, but I won't spoil it. But like the way it ends is very open you're not sure if it's ending on a dream or ending on real life, regardless of the end of, of which one of those is true. It's very open for interpretation. And it's like, to me, it, it, I wasn't really looking for that. And it definitely had a, like I told Amanda, if we had like a couple million dollars and n- knew a lot, it would be a great film three project. Because that's kind of like what it felt like. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it felt like, well, a student, sure. it felt like a great student film. Like there was very minimalist production like i'm sure it was bigger production than you think but it was more or less a it handful was of locations. so accurately filmed so it's all done with natural light yep. all the stuff with the ocean was not cgi that was all stuff they filmed there wow. which is like whoa the salt was like eating into their suits and skin and stuff like they actually went to this island and shot there like it's fucked up did you know that this was based on a true story no i tried to make a joke in my head i couldn't think of it oh so there. i looked this up I encourage people to look this up as well. It's called The Smalls Lighthouse Incident of 1801. This happened in Wales. The lighthouse that these guys were in was literally like stilts in the sea with a little cabin on top of it and then the lighthouse on top of that, right? Oh, yeah. You got to go crazy in that for sure. So here's what happened. These two guys were known enemies. Everyone knew they fucking hated each other. And these two guys go out there and one of them gets sick and dies. And the other one's like, well, fuck. Normally, I would just throw your body in the ocean and be like, "Ah, eh, he washed away. But because everybody knows I hate you, I need to keep your body around so I can prove that I didn't murder you. So he ties the body up in a coffin outside, right? A storm hits and rages and the coffin breaks up and the body is hanging out, waving in the wind and banging against the window. Just like clunk, Damn. clunk clunk and the guy starts going crazy and he keeps sending out SOS as the best he can. They don't have a really good way of communicating because back in the time you literally had to wait and these boats came up to check on him and they saw a guy standing on the deck waving at him and it was just the corpse waving in the wind so they didn't come get him and you know boats would come up and they'd see a guy waving at him and they'd be like oh they're fine and they go away and so this guy was stuck there way longer than he should have been with this corpse banging against the window and nobody coming to save him. Real messed up. Damn. And when they found him, he was just crazy. I wouldn't judge him. <laughs> but like, that's kind of a cooler story, right? Yeah, I was going to say. And like, to me, and there are times where I want you to fucking take it to the next level and make me think and keep me on my heels. But like, I wasn't feeling good. I was literally like cuddled up in bed, just watching it. I just wanted to watch a horror, like a more straight on the level horror movie. And I can't, I can't fault the movie or the writer director for that. It's not their fault that their movie didn't scratch an itch that I had at a particular time. Well, I think, I think you also nailed it. It's scratching an itch. And to me, if I wanted to see a movie about the horrors of isolation, that movie scratches that itch. Sure. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's true. And I was not I was not exactly ready for that. But the performances were great. What you said, I forget the word. I think you just said assembled. The movie was assembled right or something you said. Um, Compiled? I don't know. What word did I use? Rewind. Rewind and listen to what he said. But there were a couple shots that I was like, wow, what an interesting place to put the camera and a couple camera moves that I thought about like on set that day. You had to put dolly track here or a steady rig here to get this shot like this. And yep. there's no reason to do that other than art. There's way easier ways. There's way more informative ways to get a certain shot. But yep. you could tell that the director, DP, were like, okay, this is going to be cool if we draw the audience's eye this way and then focus on this. And I feel like, and not to shit on the Avengers, but like 
the Avengers is just like a pre-packaged product, right? It's just, how can we get most people to like this movie? The characters will walk in, talk, and then they'll fight. It's just boom, boom, boom. There's not, you're not really paying attention to the camera moves in Avengers. And that's not saying that there's not good movement. It's not saying they don't think about it or just throw it together. But like a movie like this, you're thinking about it. You're thinking about why would I shoot this this way? It's orchestrated to build feelings. Yeah, they shoot it to emphasize the paranoia. They shoot it to emphasize the isolation. They shoot it in ways to advance the story artfully. And I think, I mean, it is a gorgeous movie and it is a good movie. It's just heavy and not, nobody's ever going to be in the mood to be like, you know what I want to watch tonight? The Lighthouse. (laughs) and everybody in the room goes yeah no you have to like really sit down and be prepared for something that's kind of kind of crazy yeah it's good it was good though i liked it better than the witch i have nothing against the witch that's fine this captured me more it might be more accessible than the witch but here's something i get really annoyed with everybody keeps saying this movie was lovecraftian because it's got some tentacles in it no look yeah yeah you're right guys lovecraftian does not mean moody and tentacles. Lovecraftian <laughs> means existential, cosmic dread, elder beings, and slight hints of xenophobia. <laughs> like, <laughs> people who just think that Lovecraftian has tentacles in it or a cool I think monster. Emo, emo tentacles, I think, is what people think, think Lovecraftian yeah. means. John Carpenter's The Thing is a great example of Lovecraftian. You got monsters that are undescribable. You have paranoia. You have existential dread. Like, The Thing nails it. But then, like, something like this, it just had a couple of squid tentacles in it because these guys were on the sea. It's like, that doesn't necessarily automatically mean Lovecraftian. I agree. I wouldn't say this. Like, it's funny because I watched it, and even there's a scene where Robert Pattinson kind of catches. Willem Dafoe doing something where he turns into this big tentacle thing and it happens and you're not quite sure if it's a dream or if it's real and the movie continues on but at a certain point I thought that was the movie might be showing me that Willem Dafoe was like a tentacle monster at no point did Lovecraftian enter my thought because it was that's not the same I didn't think about that in the least that didn't that didn't pop into my head at all like tentacles is the it's not even, re- you know, that's the basis form of Lovecraftian. Yes, he has tentacle monsters in his works and his monsters and Cthulhu's got tentacles, but it's just like, that doesn't make it, you know, just because you have cake doesn't make it a birthday party. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, now I want to rewatch The Lighthouse with some cake. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no shit, dude. I really want cake now, too. I ran this morning, so I don't even have, like, I have Ooh. a good excuse to eat cake. Mm, nice. So we're going to run long, because I got two movies I need to talk about. Let's do it. I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not in a rush, so go for it. All right. So I watched a great tokusatsu called Inframan. <laughs> oh, you texted me about this. Uh, which is like giant monster, giant monsters, Power Rangers style stuff. Not to be confused with Yokushitsu which means bathroom. That's a completely different movie. Yeah, that sounds like they'd be pretty different. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the, this movie is called Inframan, and it's made by the Shaw Brothers who do all the awesome, like super fun kung fu movies from back in the day, from like the 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. And basically, there's like a bunch of earthquakes and these monsters start showing up and this lady called like Princess Dragon Mom shows up. Sure, sure. And she has all these monsters and they're attacking the scientists. And he's like, the only defense is if I create Inframan. And he tells one of his science lackeys and the guy's like, I want to become Inframan. And the scientist is like, it's going to be torturous and painful to become Inframan. And the guy is like, I will do it for my country. And the scientist is like, great, lie down on this table. And he starts just like laying like wires and like electronic devices on his body. And the guy's like, ah, and all the lights are flashing. Meantime, out in the big science room where all the blinky blinks and the lights and and buttons are, (laughs) there's like all these dudes in motorcycle helmets who are like the science squad. I don't know. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, they're in silver suits while these giant like plant vines are like swinging in and smashing shit and like killing them and electrocuting them and flinging them around the room. It's great. 
So the guy turns into Inframan, which is like a big red Power Ranger, and he can grow big, and he can shoot missiles out of his fingers, and he can fly and jump and do all sorts of crazy shit. And he starts whooping these monsters' asses, and it's just a bunch of scenes of everything he touches exploding. He's like, point at the rock, explode, point at the water, explode. No joke, the water explodes. Like, (laughs) beats the shit out of like nine monsters. Princess Dragon Mom, her little minions are like dudes in like motorcycle helmets with skulls for faces, which is kind of cool. And horns, they got horns on their helmets. Kicks all their asses. The (laughs) scientist and his daughter get kidnapped. And they're going to throw them in this pit of lava, which is fucking cool. So he shows up and kicks just so much ass. I mean, it's just a fun movie. And this would be... It'd be excellent. It's a movie, not a TV show? It's a movie, yeah. Most of the tokusatsus are TV shows like Ultraman, Power Rangers, Kamen Rider. And I I love that stuff. I think it's super fun and cheesy. And this is a movie called Inframan or Super Inframan on Amazon Prime, if you look. Super Inframan. And it's just nonstop explosions, actions. He fights a giant spider. And it's amazing because the way they made the spider and Inframan grow in camera, it was so fucking cool. So they had in the foreground what appeared to be like a high-tension electrical tower, right? And that right. appears to be attached to the camera. And as the spider like grows giant, you could tell that he was on some sort of like maybe a skateboard is the best way to describe it, and just pulled closer to camera so he grew bigger than the high-tension wire. And then Inframan does the same thing, but it's hilarious because they're trying to maintain their balance while they're being pulled on these like <laughs> skateboard items, whatever it is. But you can't see it because it's covered by the, you know, the foreground scenery. But it was a great way to make it look like with perspective that they were growing giant. And it's hilarious. You have me sold. I was, when you texted me about it and you texted me a picture of it, I recognized uh, the aesthetic of the picture. I thought it was a television series. And I was like, dude, I'm so fucking behind. But I feel like if it's a movie, I could probably make make easier time for that. This would be a phenomenal shitty movie Sunday. Everybody would crack up. It's so funny. There's a lot of great, like, great moments where you're just like, really? Wait, where'd these kids come from? Why are they in this movie? Who's this person? This is hysterical. What's the title again? Super Inframan. <laughs> it's bonkers, dude. It was so fun. I, I was cracking up watching it. I was cracking myself up with my jokes, so... If, and like you said, if you can crack yourself up alone with jokes, you know the movie's good for a group of people. Yeah. Be incredible. Yeah, you should definitely watch it. All right. And then the last movie, and this was another one that surprisingly so that my wife picked. I'm so glad that she did. If she did not like this movie. But <laughs> uh, War of the Gargantuas. I love that. I, you know, I saw that recently within the last, I would say, year probably for the first yeah. time. I thought it was great. So good. I saw this in college on like a Betamax tape. Like to watch it, I had to go to the library and watch it in a room that had the equipment available. Damn. And the quality of it was garbage. So to see it in, it's on uh, HBO Max, to see it in like high definition and really well like restored, it looked amazing and it was so much fun. What a cool, what a cool giant monster kaiju movie. I remember, I don't remember the details now, so this is going to make a very shitty audio thing to talk about, but I remember uh, reading, reading and hearing about the, um, the two suit actors, too, who played the different gargantuans, and it's amazing. It's really fun, and I think there's, as far as like a monster battle, like the climactic one really stands up in my mind as like a really good monster fight. It's really cool. So it's really bizarre, because it's a sequel to a movie that I've never seen, and I can't, I don't know very many people have, but the sequel... The original movie, the first movie is called Frankenstein Conquers the World. And the plot of Frankenstein Conquers the World is in Japan during World War II, a heart is brought to them from a mad scientist castle in Europe, and the heart belonged to Frankenstein's monster. The heart gets irradiated from the bombs dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, and it grows arms and legs and turns into a Frankenstein person. Awesome. I'd watch that. He starts growing bigger and bigger and bigger, and it basically turns into like Attack of the Colossal Man, and and he smashes a bunch of shit and then runs off into the mountains. So the sequel, they keep referring to these monsters as Frankensteins. They're like, is this the Frankenstein that you raised? (laughs) And they show a flashback, and it's not a Frankenstein. It's like a little kid in a monkey costume. Like He's literally got fur all over his body, and they look like kind of like Neanderthal, like ape monsters. I don't know what's going on, but there's a green one who's bad. And an orange yellowish one who 
is good. He's he's trying the, to get the green one to not be bad, but mm. you know everybody wants to blow them both up. There's this stupid ass American scientist who's always like, "I have a theory," and I was like, "Yeah, I have a theory too." Shut the fuck up. Go back to your country. <laughs> yeah. So the white guy in it, he always has these theories about. I don't think it's our Frankenstein. I think it's a different Frankenstein. You're like, none of these are Frankenstein's at all. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> think an American Frankenstein. Yeah. It starts with a giant kaiju octopus attacking a boat, and then the green Frankenstein shows up and beats up the octopus, which is awesome. Awesome scene. Mm-hmm. Sinks the boat, and then like the battle scenes are cool. The Frankenstein smashing stuff is cool. Did you know it's the first time that we've ever seen the Mazers in the Toho movie universe? Uh, remind me what the Mazers are? They're the dick laser guns. Oh, 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 on the back of the trucks? Yeah. The robot dicks? Yeah. Uh, no, I did not know that that was the first time. Yeah, first time we ever saw the Mazers. All right. They stand for microwave lasers. Whoa. <laughs> uh, I highly re- recommend this movie. I'm so glad I finally got to see it in like a good version and uh, like a well-restored, clean-looking print. So cool. Man, what a cool movie. And it was so fun. It's, it's good. My wife it's hated it. Like, <laughs> it does seem like a wife-hating movie. My wife, I tried to get her to watch Lighthouse with me, and I was like, look, it's been really, really uh, highly amped up. It's got those two actors in it. It's supposed to be great. And she's like, uh, 1890. I don't really. And black and white. She's like, I'm not going to like it. And then afterwards, I told her, I started telling her about it. She's like, stop. I'm glad I didn't watch it. (laughs) I started watching Lighthouse with my wife and she was like five minutes in. I was like, I'm going to go take a bath. (laughs) It's like, have fun. (laughs) Isn't it funny how wives just don't like certain things? I know. I have a really cool behind the scenes War of the Gargantuas book. That has a bunch of behind-the-scenes pictures. It's really neat, but it's in Japanese. Like I can't read it, but the pictures are cool. If only there was a way (laughs) in this 21st century that we live in that you could figure out what those characters mean. Are you telling me to go learn Japanese, Rumi? That's the only way. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty good. Shit. I have like a thousand more. I've actually... I didn't feel good for like a day and I took a day more or less to stay in bed and I watched so much shit. So I finally caught up like a human on some movies. Yeah, man. But we'll, we'll save some for next time. All right. Well, guys, tell us what you've been watching. Hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Launchpad Pod and our website, launchpadpod.com. Let us know what you've been watching. Have you guys seen any of these movies? Do you like tokusatsu films? Not to be confused with yokushitsus bathrooms i don't want to hear about your the movies that you like that are bathroom movies i think yoga shih tzu is the brown gargantuan (laughs) (laughs) oh before we sign off i do have this joke that kate sent me that i wanted to read to you it's from zach riley and he has a a little son just like you do remy said my son asked me where does poo come from i was pretty uncomfortable but gave him an honest explanation he looked a little perplexed, stared at me in stunned silence for a few seconds, and then asked, what about Tigger? <laughs> I, I, I think I've read that somewhere. I like that. Uh, crack me the <laughs> fuck up. Uh, anyway, let's blast this thing off, Rumi. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> Almost knocked over my microphone. No lamps above, though. Didn't We haven't broken a lamp in a long time, Rumi. It's been a while since our podcast devoured a lamp. That's true. Hey, kudos <laughs> to us. <laughs> Till next time, we're the Rocketeers, and we are out. Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero.